What's up, Wizards fans and NBA nerds? My name is Bryce Haas, and you're listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, a podcast giving you game-by-game breakdowns of everything Wizards. Hey, Hoop Heads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of the Wizards Hoops Analyst. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, and At The Buzzer. Plus, our coaching-focused podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoop Heads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. The Washington Wizards have all of a sudden won four games in a row. Um, pretty shocking turn of events considering how the season started out. But um, I'm pretty happy with it. The Wizards now move to... 10 and 17 on the season. Um, so I guess like they're not in last place in the East anymore. I think they moved up to 13th, still behind like the Magic and the Hawks and those types of teams, Hornets. Um, but yeah, so pretty good win for them. Uh, they played another team that was relatively depleted. Um, the Blazers, obviously, Nurkic has been out for a while with that like fractured wrist or whatever. Um, Gigi McCollum has been out for a while with his injury. And they also were missing Zach Collins, who's been out like the whole season, and Harry Giles is has been missing some time. So, um, yeah, the Trailblazers' only center was Ennis Cantor, and I'll talk about the Ennis Cantor effect um, in a second. And yeah, they just like for a team that already like relatively lacks some depth. Um, Missing a bunch of guys hurts them. I mean, it's the same thing that happened. The Wizards played the um, Rockets without four of the best players. For the five best players, they played the Nuggets a couple nights ago without um, two of their four best players. So the Wizards, they've definitely um, been getting lucky on the side of the injury bug. But uh, that kind of happens, and then we kind of like got to roll with the punches. You got to play game by game. And credit the Wizards coming out and competing, especially after how bad they were in that first quarter, playing hard the rest of the way, and winning this game. Um, so just going through um, some of the... Uh, what do I want to go through first? Top line numbers, I guess. Um, so... In terms of offensive rating, the Wizards were at... Uh, actually, I didn't even say the score again. The Wizards won 118-111, by the way. Um, in terms of offensive rating, Wizards had 113.5, and the Trailblazers had 104.8. 
Um, so obviously the Wizards won. Effective field goal percentage, Wizards had, were solid at 54.5%. Blazers were not so solid at 45.1%, which is good for the ninth percentile. Wizards um, turned the ball over a decent amount, but they got a lot of offensive rebounds. So did the Trailblazers, um, both in the right around 75th percentile. And the difference, big difference when looking at the um, four factors besides the effective field goal percentage is the free throw rate. Wizards were at 25%, uh, Trailblazers were at 17.5%, and that is... Um, in large part due to just attacking the rim and getting to the line more. So uh, I do want to go over the uh, box score numbers. Um, Bradley Beal, great game, 37 points, um, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 5 turnovers, which is kind of on Beal-like, but, you know, it happens sometimes. Um, 16 for 27 from the field, 3 for 4 from the free throw line. So he had 37 points on 29 shooting possessions, with his, which is awesome efficiency. Um, Russell Westbrook. Um, 27 points, 13 assists, 11 rebounds, arguably his best game of the season, or probably his second best game, um, because that one Nets game where he had like 41 points, that was definitely his best game of the season. 11 for 17 from the field, 5 for 7 from the line, so 27 points on 20 and a half shooting possessions, um, that's really, really good efficiency from him. Um, Rui Hachimura was pretty solid tonight, um, 17 points, um, 5 of 12 from the field, 7 of 8 from the line, um, so 17 points on 16 shooting possessions, not as efficient, but was probably his best defensive game of the season. Um, and then Robin Lopez had a great game. He ended up with 10 points, 3 of 8 from the field. He missed a lot of shots in close, but we'll talk about that. Um, on Trailblazer's side, not too, too much to talk about. Um, Damian Lillard had 35 points. He shot the ball 30 times, 8 for 8 from the free throw line. So 35 points on 34 shooting possessions, not the most Damian Lillard-like efficiency type of night. Um, and his canter at 19 points. He looked like a monster at times, only on offense. Um, he had four, six offensive rebounds, 13 total rebounds, and was 8 for 12 from the field. Um, and that's about it. Covington at 11, DJJ, Derek Jones Jr. at 11. Gary Trent Jr. had 16 points, but shot the ball 16 times. Um, that's about it. Um, like Nasir Little got some playing time. That was fun to see. Um, so... Yeah, I guess the first thing that I definitely want to talk about is the Wizards shot distribution. The I remember the exact same thing happened the last time the Wizards played the Trailblazers because they last time they played them they didn't have Nurkic either. Um, it might have been like right after the Nurkic injury, but that is a huge loss for the Trailblazers because he makes their defense so much better. Um, actually, I want to look it up super quick um, in the in cleaning the glass just how much he, better he makes their defense, um, or even is it teams. Uh, open new tab. Yeah, so just um, every time that um, the Wizards play against Ennis Cantor, which has been two times, um, it just makes it so easy to attack the paint and finish because Ennis Cantor can't protect the rim at all. And a lot of times, like when you play against Bradley Beal, um, he is such a good... Um, He's such a good shooter off the dribble that you really have to come to level the screen. And when you do that and you're Ennis Cantor, you're just going to get the corner turned in you every single play, which is exactly what happened in this game. Every single play, um, the corner got turned. And lineups, um, Portland Trailblazers lineups without Yusuf Nurkic on the floor um, allow 118.2 points per possession, which is in the 12th percentile, which would be the worst defense of all time. Um, I want to filter by on the court Ennis Cantor. Filter lineups. Oh, by the way, this is with Clean and Glass, which is what I use for all these kind of lineup data. Ennis Cantor on the court. The Trailblazers' um, defense is in the 17th percentile and defense rating of 117.2. Um, I want to look at shooting frequency. So opponents shoot 
actually not that much around the rim with Ennis Cantor's on the floor, but their shooting accuracy is not that high either. That's pretty interesting, actually. Hmm. Okay. I did not expect that. So I guess the Wizards know what they're doing. Um, so they shot the ball at the rim 40 times, which was 45% of the shots, which is way more than the Wizards usually shoot right at the rim. Um, if I just want to pull it up super quick, how often the Wizards shoot right at the rim? Um, offensive overview, I want to go to shooting frequency. Um, so normally, 27% um, of the shots are at the rim. Wait, no, that's not right. I want to go to the team. What the heck is this? That was just Bradley Beal's number. Sorry. Um, it's late at night. Uh, it's like 1240. I'm not much of a night. I, like, I'm usually fast asleep by now. So the Wizards shoot 28.1% of their shots at the rim. And tonight they shot 44.9% of the shots at the rim. And the reason behind that is obviously Yusuf Nurkic. Or not, or I guess Yusuf Nurkic not playing. Um, Ennis Cantor, when he comes to level the screen, he gets his corner turned on him every time. If he's at the rim... You, you're not scared to shoot against him. You're just going to shoot right over him. Um, so that's a big reason for that. But also, the Wizards just in general did a better job of attacking. Like, why can't you attack when other centers are there and get to the line more? Um, the Wizards definitely did a really good job of doing that. Overall, they got to the line um, 29 times, which is a pretty good number, especially for a team like the Wizards that don't normally do a great job of getting to the line. So being 25 for 40 from the restricted area, um, which is 62.5%, which is like right around league average. But if you're shooting a shot that you, a two point shot that you make 62.5% of the time, that's like one point, oh God, 1.25 points per possessions, um, which is an unbelievably high number. Um, so you want to keep shooting that over and over and over again. And the Wizards weren't super efficient from any other area of the court. They had an overall really, really efficient night because they shot so well and so many times. Like, not even so well. They shot below league average. But they, because they got to, to the rim so many times and they shot so well at the rim, they ended up with an above average efficiency night, um, which is what I've been harping on the Wizards to do. Um, so they were three for nine, um, from the restricted area. They were 11 for 14 from mid range, which is insane, but they only shot 14 shots. Um, but that's like, that's an insane number. That's not sustainable in any sort of way. Um, five for 23 from behind the arc, from above the break threes, which is pretty bad. But again, just getting to, to the rim so much, um, really helped them out. And then, um, one for two overall on corner threes, but, um, yeah, just, Keep getting to the rim, especially when you're playing against a center that can't really protect the rim or a center that can't really get out on the floor. And the Wizards play plenty of centers that can't protect the rim and or can't get out on the floor. Um, I don't know why the Wizards don't do this more often, quite frankly. I don't know why this is only twice a, twice a season with Ennis Ganter when he's on the other side, but... Please, please, Wizards, I'm begging you to do that more often. Um, that was really fun to watch. Also, when Ennis Ganter was on the floor... Um, the Trailblazers went with a lot of lineups like Carmelo Anthony slash Robert Covington at the five. Those lineups um, also got attacked a lot inside the paint, and that's also another reason why the Wizards had such a high number um, around the rim. But I think for the most part, it definitely was just the non-presence that Cantor is. But also give credit to the Wizards. like Even like Robin Lopez, like he was doing a really, really good job in the pick and roll, getting shots. Um, and then just guys in general were doing a good job of attacking. I want to see exactly who was attacking. Bradley Beal got 11 shots at the rim. Um, which is way higher than uh, usual. Uh, like I said, um, his shot distribution normally is around 25% at the rim, and this was about 41% of his shot. And 9 for 11 at the rim is an unbelievable number, but Bradley Beal getting there so many times um, is really, really, really good. Um, Rui Hachimura got to the rim eight times, which is every single time he does that, um, that's really exciting because that's one of his biggest flaws is just getting all the way into the rim and finishing. And he was 5 for 8, which is a very, very solid night in terms of finishing around the rim. 
Um, just Robin Lopez was three for eight, but getting eight shots at the rim, and that got him to the free throw line. So that's perfectly fine. Um, I'm trying to see who else. Mo Wagner, two for two at the rim. Um, solid for him. And then Russell Westbrook is... No, I'll, I'll talk about Russell Westbrook. No, I'll talk about Westbrook now. So Westbrook scored a lot of points. Um, Westbrook had 27 points. He had a really efficient night, um, but he was three for six at the rim, which I love him getting to the rim six times. Uh, he got to the free throw line seven times, and I love him getting to the free throw line seven times. I'll say that before I say my next thing. Um, two for three from uh, in the paint outside the shift area, which is, you know, fine. I'm fine with him taking those shots as long as he's pretty close, like relatively close to the rim. As long as those are like five footers and not 12 footers, um, then I'm good with that. But he was six of seven from mid-range, which is 85.7%. Now, if I were to just quickly pull up Russell Westbrook's mid-range shooting numbers, um, which I am doing super quickly. Do, 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 do. Offensive overview. I want to go to shooting accuracy. Um, so from mid-range, I've said this a lot, but I will say it again because he shot really well from mid-range. On short mid-range shots, he shoots 35%. On long mid-range shots, he shoots 35%. That is 0.7 points per shot. And that is really, really, really bad. Those are really bad shots. But just due to math and variance and statistics, that kind of stuff, if you shoot a shot that's worth 35% of the time and you just repeat it over and over and over again and you do it seven times, sometimes you're going to get results where you make six out of seven. Those are really, really rare occasions, but it's going to happen. Um, and that happened tonight. Russell Westbrook, just due to shooting variance, made six out of seven of his mid-range jump shots. That is a completely unsustainable way of him getting offense. That is never... like. The odds of that happening again are so low. That's the first time that's happened all season where he's been even close to that number. That's not going to happen again. You can't rely on that shot. And he loves to get really, really reliant on that shot. And it's great that it fell tonight, but it's not going to fall the next game. It's not going to fall the game after that. It's not going to fall like that for the rest of the season. So um, I guess like I'm happy that it, would, that it looked good tonight. But... Um, there's a difference between using your mid-range game to set up the other, like to set up your drive, um, to set up your teammates, uh, that kind of stuff. And there's a difference and just shooting your mid-range shot as the first part of your game. Um, throughout the season, Russell Westbrook has been leaning way too close to the ladder where he's just shooting the mid-range shot as the biggest part of his game instead of getting to the rim as being the biggest part of his game. Um, and he has to be careful with that because, again, he shoots so poorly, like so terribly from mid-range. Um, but he's still a good finisher. Like, I cannot emphasize enough that he's still a really good finisher on the rim. He shoots 67% around the rim. He's in the 95th percentile for guards. He is still an elite level finisher around the rim. And he's still, like, I don't care that he doesn't make that many free throws. He's been shooting the ball terribly from the free throw line this year. Um, but his free throw percentage is still 62.5%. He is literally in the 0th percentile for free throw percentage. But him getting to the line is a really, really efficient possession. Him getting to the line at 62.5% on a per possession basis would be 1.25 points per possession, which is a really, really good number. And he's literally in the 0th percentile for free throw percentage. So keep getting to the rim where you're in the 95th percentile. Keep getting to the line where you're going to give us 1.3 points per possession. Just keep doing that. I don't know why he relies on his mid-range game so much when he's not a good mid-range jump shooter. And it's not like that's the counter to him getting to the rim. Getting to the rim is the counter to his mid-range right now. And 
that can't be the case. Like Russell Westbrook is capable of being really good. Like I know he is. I was excited for Russell Westbrook. At, like I'm not a big Russell Westbrook fan, as you could probably tell from all the episodes of Dump, but I'm a big fan of him being a floor raiser for a regular season team that wants to make the playoffs. And that's what the Wizards are at this point. And I think Russell Westbrook can do it. He just needs to to just be better picking his spots. Um, and that's my episode Lee Westbrook rant. Um Someone I definitely do want to talk about. Uh, I just I want to talk about the Portland Trailblazers. No, wait. First, I want to talk about Robin Lopez. Um, he had a really, really good game tonight. This is one of his better games of the season. He ended up playing 28 minutes, which is one of his highest amounts of the year. He was plus 25, which is way more than, like, that's 14 points more than um, anyone else on the team. And he made a huge difference in terms of rim protection, knowing where to be, making the right rotations, making the right reads defensively. He didn't have his best offensive game. Also, just boxing out. Robin Lopez is a really good defensive rebounder. He's a really good just box out guy, preventing the other team from getting offensive rebounds. And he did it like, Ale- or what's his face? <laughs> um, Ennis Cantor was killing the Wizards on the boards in the first um, quarter. He had like five offensive rebounds in the first quarter. Robin Lopez came in and he diminished that threat. Um, he did a really, really good job tonight of playing defense, um, getting offense or getting defensive rebounds, boxing out, just playing his role and doing a really good job at it. And that's why he earned so many minutes tonight. And he he really did earn those minutes. Like, he played a really, really good game. Um, the Wizards' center rotation is kind of crazy right now. Um, the last few games, Brooks has gone to all three centers in the first, like, not that, like, first quarter of the game, um, which is something that you don't normally see in the NBA. But um, it's kind of hard because, like, all three of the centers are pretty close in terms of how good they are. And, like, all three of them are pretty matchup dependent on who can play on a certain night. So, you know, I, I get, like, experimenting the first quarter and then just riding with one guy. I like that strategy, actually. I think that's a pretty good move from Brooks. And then riding with the right guy is something that he's going to have to figure out how to do. Just pick the right guy and just stay with him for the rest of the game. He did a really good job of that tonight. Robin Lopez did a great job. Um, and yeah, so I definitely want to talk about the Portland Trailblazers. Um, I want to see how far into this 16... Okay, so the Trailblazers' offense... Or I want to look at them. So coming into the game... Um, the Trailblazers team stats. So they were eight and ten. Um, their uh, point differential was plus one point five, which is good for eleventh in the league. They had the fifth ranked offense uh, with a one eighteen point two offensive rating, and the twenty eighth ranked defense with a one sixteen point seven offensive rating. I want to look super quickly at the lineup data without CJ McCollum and with Damian Lillard on the court, um, because that offense just looks so one dimensional to me. Like I don't really understand what they're... Because just without CJ McCollum, without another creator on the floor, it makes it really, really hard for Damian Lillard, especially without a big that like can't really work in the short role. I don't know how that offense with Damian Lillard and without CJ McCollum has an offensive rating of 122.6. I don't get it. Um, the starting lineup that went out there tonight was Damian Lillard, Gary Trent, Derek Jones Jr., Robert Covington, and Ennis Cantor. In 208 possessions, that lineup um, has an offensive rating of 145.7 and a defense rating of 111.9, good for a point differential of plus 33.8. Um, that lineup did like uh, didn't look that good tonight, like if I'm being honest, just from an offensive standpoint, like that must be because well, I'm guessing that's from Damian Lillard just shooting a ridiculous amount. I want to look at that up like super quick um because like, look, that offense is so one-dimensional. Like, like I said, all they can do is run pick and roll or double screens for Damian Lillard at the top of the key, and like they can't really do much else because Robert Covington is in a shot creator. Gary Trent, 
while he's getting better, he's not really a shot creator. Like Ennis Cantor can roll to the basket and he can finish around the rim. Um, he can do like he can mash smaller guys in the post. But like I don't understand how that lineup has been playing so well. Um, just looking at the numbers, I want to look at. So I have this lineup um, data out. So frequency, they shoot a ton of threes, shoot a ton at the rim. Um, shooting accuracy. Okay, so the reason that they're shooting so well is that their shooting accuracy is absolutely off the charts. Um, in 200-day possessions, their effective field goal percentage is 64.7, which is the 100th percentile. At the rim, they're finishing around the rim at 68.5%. Um, from short mid, 45.5. Long mid, they don't really shoot that. Um, corner three, 53%. Um, Non-corner three, 47.1%. So those are just absolutely ridiculous numbers. Um, so that's kind of part of the reason why um, that might be so high. Okay, so that makes sense. So it's more of a shooting variance thing. So the shooting variance wasn't really on the Trailblazers' side tonight. Overall, from three, they did shoot a pretty solid percentage at 34.5, um, but not good enough. And the Wizards didn't shoot that good of a percentage. But when the Trailblazers are such a three-point reliant team, um, you really do have to uh, shoot better um, from three if you really want to win. Just looking at the team stats from the Portland Trailblazers, um, in terms of shooting frequency, they shoot the second most um threes in the league in terms of frequency and they shoot the most above the break threes um in terms of frequency and then in terms of shooting accuracy they shoot the fifth highest accuracy at um 39.4 percent and tonight they were only at um i'm just pulling it up super quick they're only at 34.5 percent so that five percent drop um over the course of 55 shots is going to be a difference of about six points and that was about the difference in the game which was seven points so shooting that like tiny bit below your mean will um, could affect your game. And that's like kind of the big thing with shooting variants that like some people don't understand like how big of an impact it can have on a single game. Um, if you shoot have high variance strategies, um, which shooting three-pointers is a high variance shot. So high variance strategies leads to high variance of results if you only look at the sample size of like 55 shots, which is what the Blazers took tonight. Um, and over those 55 shots, it's pretty common for you to shoot like three below your mean or it's pretty common for you to shoot three above your mean. And either way, that can completely swing a game. Um, and this game is just swung not in their direction, um, which happens when, again, that happens. Um, yeah, so I guess, so outside of the Trailblazers offense, I want to talk about, who do I want to talk about? I want to talk about how, no, I talked about how bad. So the Blazers, mm, okay, I want to talk about Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony, like, I don't understand him. Um, his shot selection is just awful. Like, I don't understand why people... Like, I understand why people like Carmelo Anthony so much. I don't understand why people like this iteration of Carmelo Anthony so much. He is so inefficient, and he doesn't play defense. Um, I really, really like him as a just spotted three-point shooter. Someone, if you really need someone to get a bucket late in the clock, then he can do it. If you need someone to help a bench unit that's really struggling, he can help with that. But he should not be ever closing games. Like, he's not good enough to close games. He's not... He's, like, for the most part, hurting his team with some of his shot selection things. I don't really understand the theory behind current iteration Carmelo Anthony. Um, he's just not able to score at an efficient enough rate to help your team out. Um, just to pull up his true shooting numbers from this season, um, I have to do it super quick. Carmelo Anthony stats. Um, and he's never been the most efficient guy, but like as you get later into your career, like if you want to stay in the league, usually your efficiency has to bump up. Otherwise, you're going to be moved out of the league and... Carmelo Anthony is still in the league because he does have like shot creation is the most important skill in the NBA and he does he is capable of that but um, at a certain point um, 
There's this great quote from Seth Barton. I'm trying to remember. Like it's the inflection point between um, floor raising and ceiling lowering is closer than you may think to each other. Something like that. Um, but basically saying like if you are an inefficient shot creator, then you're actually not really that valuable. And Carmelo Anthony's true shooting percentage is 51.5, um, and that's the lowest in his career since his rookie season. Well, third. Well, actually, no, not the lowest. I take that back. Fourth lowest. Um, since his OKC, OKC season, that's kind of tongue twister. Um, his first season in Denver, which was his rookie year, and um, his Houston season, which was like 10 games and an absolute disaster. Um, so that kind of tells you where Carmelo Anthony is at right now. Um, I wish that Terry Stotts just did more creative things with Damian Lillard, especially like just having him run off the ball, running through floppy, running through an elevator screen. If I saw Trailblazers run an elevator screen, I'd lose my mind. Um, just cool stuff like that to get more looks for Damian Lillard instead of just having him just dribble into pull-up threes because the Wizards did a really, really good job. Like you can tell that the Wizards had a practice before this game because they did such a good job defending the Damian Lillard pick and roll. Um, so what they did was they had a big at the level of the screen, but they had the guy who was guarding the weak side corner did a really, really good job of rotating. And a lot of time that was Rui, which is why this is by far his best defensive game of the year. Um, he rotated from the weak side corner really well. He, they were always there on the catch on the Ennis Cantor roll. Um, and then just force other guys to beat you. Um, if you lose a game because Gary Trent Jr. makes 11 threes, then you're just going to have to live with that, right? But if you lose a game because Damian Lillard makes 15 threes, then you should be kicking yourself because you got a game plan for that. And the Wizards came in with a good game plan against Damian Lillard. Um, Terry Stotts did not come up with a counter. Like at the end of the game, they just were running pick and roll, double pick and roll, every single play. And the Wizards knew how to stop it. And they did a really good job of executing their game plan. Scott Brooks did a really good job of coming in with a game plan. And the Wizards won the game. Um, so um, I'm just going to go through my notes and then I'm going to go to sleep because it's late at night. Um, so something that was interesting to start the game, um, Terry Stotts did throw a lot of different lineups um, at the Wizards. Like at the at one point, he had DJ, Derek Jones Jr. on Russell Westbrook. He also put Robert Covington on Westbrook. And those guys just weren't guarding Westbrook at all Like when he was off the ball. And they went away from that pretty early. I don't know why, honestly, because I thought that was a really, really smart strategy. Like kind of giving him the... Russell Westbrook treatment from last year. Um, I, I don't know why more teams don't do that. Um, I assume it's more of a game planning thing because it's hard to game plan for a single game. Um, I'm trying to see. Um, so the Wizards like to run this interesting action. They did it like two or three times this game where they do a wedge screen, which is just a screen from the corner. Um, guy from the corner coming to set a screen for the guy at the top of the key, the guy at the top of the key. Usually it's for the guy at the top of the key to get a look in the post, but they run that into a side uh, ball screen, which is pretty interesting. Um, they got a couple good looks out of that. The first time they ran it, they got like a wide open dunk out of it. So I thought that was interesting. Um, so something that I pointed out was that every single time, like they try to run Beal off those uh, staggers or just a single pin down, um, just like one of those types of things, they would they would top block Beal, but then they'd have the big kind of um, rotate over into the paint, like closer to Beal to protect from the backdoor cut, which is what you have to do when you top block someone. I wish that the Wizards ran more screen, like just have Breton screen for Beal or have Garrison Matthews screen for Beal. Because um, I think that would be really, really hard to stop. And that would be a really, really good counter to a team that's top locking. I don't know why the Wizards don't think of that. Like, I'm sure they think of that, but I don't know why they don't execute that in the games. Because I think that'd be a great counter to win. Because a lot of teams do top lock Beal. So that would be a pretty good counter, in my opinion. But, you know, the Wizards probably know more than me. Um, so I'm just trying to go. Yeah, so in the second quarter, the Wizards ran like this. They went um, small ball with Rui at the five. 
They're, the first play that they had with that, they ran an ISO for Westbrook in the mid post, which is fine as long as he gets a good shot. But they ran it with Bertans at the dunker spot. Why would you go small ball if you're not going to run at least five out? Or if you don't run five out, have Rui Hachimura at the dunker spot? You have Bertans at the dunker spot? That didn't make any sense to me. Um, oh, yeah, I got to talk about B- Bonga got some minutes. He played hard. Um, this isn't really a Bonga game. Like my, I think Bonga should be in the rotation, but he should be guarding wings. That's like the only, That's what he's good at. Um, that's his skill that gets him on an NBA team. So I don't know why he would come into this game. Um, so... But hey, he got minutes. Um, he he hustled pretty hard. He got some rebounds, so that was good. Um, I'm just trying to keep reading. Um, yeah, so Lillard. Uh, when I don't remember, I talked about this, but when Biggs came to the lo- level of the scream against Lillard, he turned the corner really, really easily against like guys like Lopez and Len. But the Wizards just did a really good job um, maintaining their help principles, just being in help. Um, and again, you can tell that they worked on that, and they that was their best game in terms of just doing that all season. And I assume that Scott Brooks drilled that into their head during a practice. Um, something that was interesting at the beginning of the second half, the Wizards ran Knicks action, which is a swing into a step of ball screen um, with an empty side. And they got a wide open Mo Wagner dunk um, with the pass from Bradley Beal. They love to run that, especially coming out of the half. Um, they pretty much do that like every single time out of the half. Um, I don't know why no one knows this besides me and Scott Brooks. But um, yeah, so... I got to just keep looking through my notes. Oh, yeah, Beal had, or Lillard had like 23 third-quarter points. He was super fun to watch. And when he's hitting shots, he's really fun. He just didn't hit enough of them tonight for his team to win. Um, yeah, I don't know. what The Wizards do this thing where um, when uh, when they're usually coming to the level of the screen, when uh, teams start to attack Bretons, which they usually do coming down the stretch of the game, they just have them hard hedge, which actually ends up working pretty well. So I guess that's, <laughs> that's why they're doing it. Um, but... We'll see when teams start like setting it with a guy who they can just slip with and then like just go four on three. Um, so that'll be interesting. Um, Bertans has this really bad habit. It's just like sometimes he helps off the strong side corner, which is a big time like don't do that ever um, in the NBA. Um, and he does that sometimes, and that's really, really frustrating. Um, you know, something else I wrote down was that it's, it's just amazing how many times um, Bertans gets like really, really good looks from threes just off flare screens and pin downs, just like in the middle of just the offense, like offense, just flow offense, just randomly do it, um, type of thing, just to catch a defense sleeping. Um, he gets tons of open looks like tonight wasn't his best game, but he got good looks. Like he was, um, what was he on threes tonight? Two for eight. But there wasn't a time where I, like, there wasn't a shot where I said, oh, like he's forcing that. That was a bad shot. Um, so if you go two for eight, but you're confident and again, you have gravity then you're making an impact. So he was plus 11 tonight. Like, he didn't have his best shooting game, but he still made an impact with that gravity offensively. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much all I have. Um, <laughs> it's one in the morning. This isn't as fun to do versus, like, 10.30. But I'm committed to this podcast. I love doing this podcast. Um, next game is the Wizards against the Los Angeles Lakers. We'll see how that goes. They're missing AD. Thank goodness. I can't even imagine Robin Lopez and Alex Lenimo Wagner trying to stick AD. But... We'll see. I mean, I guess Rui on LeBron. Man, that's it's going to be super interesting. Um, Lakers are obviously a really good team, arguably the best team in the league. And that game's at 10 o'clock, so I'm going to have a podcast coming out that night or the next day. So definitely check that out. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. 
Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Wizards Hoops Analyst Podcast on the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Please don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Hoops Wizards Pod. I'll see you next time.